everybody, St. Paul here live from Times Square and welcome to episode nine of Music on the Run. This week's guest is Vince Wilburn Jr. Vince is Miles Davis's nephew. And of course we talked to Vince about music, his uncle Miles, his stint in his uncle's band. And we talk about what he's doing with the estate to keep Uncle Miles' legacy going. That's next on Music on the Run. Enjoy it. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and you like what you're hearing, make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, St. Paul Peterson here, and welcome to yet another edition, a special edition of Music on the Run, live from the NAMM show in front of a live audience. Let me hear you. So those of you who don't know what NAMM is, NAMM stands for the National Association of Music Merchants, and uh, there are, I don't know, 100,000 crazy musicians and vendors and things like that here at this show, and I am in the Electro Voice booth, where and they're a Minneapolis company. They're an incredible company, and they've invited me to come and, and share the stage here with some of my favorite people, and today is no exception. My guest today is a drummer. He's a producer. He's a businessman. He's a radio host. And this is, I made this one up, Vince. A legacy caretaker. He have, <laughs> He's laughing back there. Happens to be the nephew of the late jazz icon, Miles Davis. And he's continuing Miles' legacy through music by touring the Miles Davis Electric Band with the help of, and, and he's also helping with the estate. This is a guy who will always come to my aid. He's always, he's like family to me. Please put your hands together for Mr. Vince Wilburn Jr. Come on, baby. Let's hear it for Vince. Come on. Hey, man, thank you so much for coming by. I know it's a crazy time out there. Navigating NAM is always loads of fun. Welcome. Parking. Parking is Parking is loads of fun. You got to bribe people and tip people. I know. $50, $60. Chicago, huh? Yeah. South side. South side of Chicago. Sorry about them bears, man. we're, We're taping this in January, by the way, so there's a lot of... A lot of things that just happened, but you know, I'm a Vikings sad, fan. Sad, sad bears, bears. I know. We'll be man. back next year. As will we. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll face off next year. You and I have similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you grew up playing in Chicago in the Midwest, mm-hmm. where the cold keeps the bad people out, mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, you grew up playing funk. Oh, tell me, actually, how, how did this all happen? Were you in a musical household or? Well, my, my mom was an educator, school teacher, and uh, my dad was in the military. And then he went on to teach ROTC at different high schools. And um, um, I was just bitten by the bug when my uncle used to come and play and perform in Chicago. But the way I was, was bitten is, is that I would stay on the side of the stage. 
you know, why why my parents went in the audience to, to see to see my uncle. Um, I would stay in the wings, and so I was fixated on whatever the drummer was doing. You know, I mean, I would keep my eyes on Uncle Miles, but it was always about what the drummer was doing, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Hmm. And that was it. Gravitated towards the drum. Yeah, yeah. Right Tony away. Williams told Wallace Roney that he, he knew I was going to be a drummer because I used to stare at him just like in awe, you know. Yeah. See, now you're, you're mentioning all the names that I just have idolized my entire <laughs> life, and you're standing on the side of the stage with them Miles, Jack. Yeah, but when, you, when you're young, you don't know the magnitude of, you know, I never know how, how, how he, you know, enormous of an artist that my uncle was. But as I got older, I would I would like kind of I kind of figured it out, you know. As a kid, back when I was a kid, they didn't have TSA, so you could go meet the uh, artists. I mean the uh, the uh, passengers at the planes. All right. But walking back from the plane back to the car, he would get he would stop. People would stop him every five or six steps, you know. And I'm like, why is everybody messing with Uncle Miles like this? <laughs> and, and the older I, you know. Then I kind of figured it out, and then you know, sitting and listening to records myself in right. the basement, and then you know, he talked my mom into buying me a drum kit. So, no kidding. Oh yeah. yeah How yeah. old were you when you got that first kit? Six. <laughs> right. But he said make sure that he's serious about it. Buy him an inexpensive kit. Sure. Smart. And if he if he was serious, then it, you know we'll get him something, you know, professional kit. So. It, so you started playing drums, man, and that turned into a whole thing. Does that? When were you starting to gig out and do things like that? Um, Chicago, you know, we, we it was like like Minneapolis. You, you, you had bands, we had talent shows, we had after school programs. A lot of that is missing nowadays, and and you don't have the kids don't have any outlets, you know. Um, but but the talent shows kept us off the streets, and and the battle of the bands, you know. Like sure. they, I'm sure they had them in Minneapolis. Oh yeah. Um, um, we just formed groups. We we had we had like a fraternity, and um, my mom. As long as my grades were great, we we could rehearse in the basement every uh, five days a week, and then play on the weekends. And so this is, this is grade school or high school. This is like high school, like okay. grammar school, high school. All right. Know? And um, and Uncle Miles used to call the house and have my mom put the phone down, and and listen to us rehearse. Did you know that he was listening? Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. you did. Because okay. he he would critique us after the rehearsals, <laughs> and he How said, like that? He said, "You know, right? play this and tell Vince to do." Who's the guy on the phone? It's just Miles Davis critiquing. But me we didn't look point. at it like that, you know. I mean, you know, we knew the, the you know he, who he was, but it was like, you know, Uncle Miles was helping us out. You but know? that's your that's fam. Yeah, yeah. And so one one time he called, he heard something in us. You know, this went on for about three or four weeks straight, and then and then he he critiqued us one day, and then after the critique, he said. You guys want to make a record, and that was Man with the Horn, and he flew us to New York to do Man with the Horn. That was 1980, 1979, 80. Vince, what was the name of that band? It was called AL7 or Data, because we 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 played with the ALL, we put okay. the L of AL7, and it had two names. Okay, know? but um, man, we were like, yeah, and and we flew to New York, and um, first thing first thing we did, we ordered room service. <laughs> We invited all our boys who lived in New York over to the house and just ate, ate, and and they got us got on us about the room service. What, you know. what, what was it like to get the nod from your, you know, from your uncle? I mean, was that was? Do you think that he had uh, any kind of? Uh, do you think that he hesitated at all and went, oh, you know, I want, I don't want my my nephew to come out here and I don't, you know, I want him to succeed? Or do you think, do you think it was any kind of a family thing that that he wanted to encourage you or? 
Did he want to keep that separate? How, how is that dynamic, I guess, is my question. Well, I don't, I don't think it, I don't th I, I think he heard something in all of us, not just me, but all the guys in the band. And um, he just wanted to see where we could go with it, you know? And, and we, we recorded like 30 songs in, in the course of a week. And Gil Evans was in the corner, like smoking a joint, just chilling. <laughs> and um, um, it was amazing, man. You know, it was amazing. Teal Macero, the great producer, Teal yeah. Macero, Stan Tonka was engineer, and we recorded on thirty at Thirtieth Street, that 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 famous, you know, where they did Bitches Brew and right, right, and all those, you know, that was great like records. home for him. I yeah, 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 yeah. That's unbelievable. The thing about playing when I go, you don't you don't have the time to think about it. You got to do it. You you know, it's it's like let's go. You know. But you were ready. That sounds like you guys. Well, were, we, you got to be ready. So <laughs> explain to me the prep though, because maybe you were doing it. Uh, subconsciously, but I think it's good for my, my listeners to know what the prep is for the actual nod. I mean, he called, but you could have been not ready, too. Yeah, but, but you know, Paul, there, there was no prep because he liked the spontaneity of the musicians. I have long discussions with Herbie and Chick about this. You know, he, he heard things in, that, we did, that we didn't know we had in us, and he, and he and he sprinkled and he and he would just give you just a little bit of advice, mm. and then you you could you could you know apply it to your instrument. So maybe prep wasn't the right word, but he knew you could play. Well, you know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He heard something. He heard but he, something. But you know, he, he sent me like these records, like James Brown, The Big Payback, and The Immortal Otis Redding, and. Slide and the Family Stones, and he loved Buddy Miles, the band of Gypsy. Is that Jimmy right? Andrew. Oh, loved him. He used to cook for Buddy Miles, you know, like make booyah bass for Buddy, <laughs> you know. So, so he, um, he was sending you records? Oh, yeah, yeah. Back, back then they had record guys, you know. Right, so right. So was a guy named Granville White who would bring me stacks of records. To, Just to know. the house? Yeah, yeah. And I would sit in the basement and play them. Check no them out. kids. Right. So you had the exposure of all different kinds of stuff, man. I mean, what was the... What was playing in the house? Give me some examples. Well, thank, that, thank God I had the parents who were supportive. That's yeah. one thing, you know. And um, we played, come home and, and do my homework, and then the cats would come over 6 to maybe 9 each night, you know, 6 to 10, and we'd do it every day. Because right. my mom grew up with Miles and his band, so she was chill with it. She, she knew cool all about it. that. Oh, yeah, she was cool. Right, right, right. And my so, dad was cool. So you, you play all sorts of different things. Now, you weren't... In cameo for a minute? For a day or two. <laughs> <laughs> I was with, with Larry and, and when um, in nineteen right after right after um, Man with the Horn. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Well the reason I bring that up is because um, I wanna talk about versatility mm -hmm. and the the importance of versatility in your career, man. Mm -hmm. Because you you play all sorts of different genres. Is that an important thing to have? It, it's a, very important, Paul. Um you know, coming up, they had Chicago had man. We played polkas, we played blues, we played funk, right. we played jazz. You had a, you had a uh, there was a, a group called the uh, AACM, Advancement for the Associative Advancement for Association for Advancement of Creative Musicians, and that was with Phil Coran and Louis Satterfield and Earth Wind and Fire, those the horn players, and, okay, and Don Myrick. All those cats were, were in this 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 uh, a, you know in this. Um, Art Ensemble of Chicago and this organization. So that was one thing. And, we, and it was a place called the Transitions East. So we would go and check those cats out. And, and they'd call us in. You know, we'd peek through the window and they'd call yeah. us in to play. So it was always, you know, different. You know, we had all the blues clubs. Yeah, of course. You know? and, then we, and then they had jingles. Jingles, you know, you could do commercials. And you could, it was so much, to, you know, so many opportunities 
So you were in the studio, you were playing live, and you were honing your chops that yeah, way just yeah, by I mean, doing you know, what you do. People were giving us breaks, you know. Right. Especially after they found out that, that, that we did a record with Miles. Then Ramsey Lewis called, and we did more sessions, and, you know, ah. it was just chilling. Similar to what happened with me with Prince. Once you get that nod from Prince or someone at that level, people go, oh, he must be able to play because... No, he's working with it's, Miles. It's, it's validation, you know? Exactly validation. right. Yeah. I call it Miles Davis University. Tell know? me about Miles Davis University, man. Um, how you, you, how you know, was he your teacher? You didn't have, you didn't have um, time to, to be nervous. Yeah. You know, um, we were cutting um, Human Nature. And the drummer that was playing Human Nature didn't want to play it because he said that music is beneath you, Miles. You shouldn't play funk. <laughs> so he left. Right. He left the studio. We were at the record plant in New York. So I was in the, in the booth, you know. And <laughs> he said, now get on the drums. So they took his drums out and, um, and they put uh, Buddy Williams, a, dr a session sure. drummer in New York. Buddy had a kit in the next studio, so they moved Buddy's drums in and I played Human Nature. I mean, and, that, and it just happened just like that. Dang. You know? What am I going to do? Say, oh, no, let me think about it. You know, he said, no. No, there gotta, ain't no thinking no, about it. Hell no. No. Oh, can you say hell no? You can say that. Yeah, yeah. No. So he threw you right into the fire, and then you responded. And he yeah. loved it. So he was about the spontaneity. Mm -hmm. It's funny with different artists, because the reason this is so interesting for me is I, I really see how Prince modeled a lot of different things in his life after your uncle. Mm. And there was, there's a couple different things that were opposite though and one of them was especially when I was in the group Morris Day in the time I grew up in a bebop family mm -hmm. so and a drummer by the way and, and so my uh, my instruction from my family was play who you are play what you want right right Kenny Lee yeah. all right mm -hmm. so so that's what how I grew up mm -hmm. when I got into the time it was like erase all that here's your part play it play it well play it funky do this now it seems to me that Miles had the philosophy of practice on stage. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've read yeah, that. Yeah, because you guys rehearse. Prince liked to rehearse a lot, right? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he did. You know, and, and it's Miles. funny. And he he he, went, he would just play play the set list down one or two times, and then you know, because he and then that was it. He'd call it, and and everybody would be nervous at rehearsal, and then he'd say, "Okay, y'all got it," and then he would leave, and then. As the tour took place, then he would shape the songs, shape the set list, switch the set list, you know. And that's when the, the amazement of the creative uh, uh, flow of Miles happens, you know. He, he's, he, that's why he never liked to take one or two, after one or two takes in the studio, he called a session. Because that he, was it. You know, he said the freshness and the, and the creativity was out, you know. I totally agree. Because then you're just going through the shit and you're not yeah, really... Yeah, by the ninth or tenth take, yeah. <laughs> it's all gone. Yeah, yeah. And then people revert back to the first take. Yeah, and anyway. then your mind, then your focus is not on the music. Well, some, exactly, right. It's on the click or, or, or exactly. whatever the case may yeah. be. Yeah. So tell me how you uh, transition from just playing drums, not just, but playing drums into a co-producer role. How did that come about? Um, For you're under arrest, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he he just wanted another set of ears. You know, okay. I, I, I that that co-producer thing is is like it's it's the 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 musical direction directions of music by Miles Davis. So that's what I respect. Um, what we would do, Bobby Irving and I, or whoever was co-producing, would we would take the tapes to him at the end of the night, and then he would critique them and and, and tell us what to do the next day. Right. And he was nice enough to give us uh, 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 that credit, you know. But okay. it was always 
uh, under the direction of, of what he wanted to do, direction of Miles Davis. But it was, a, it was, like you said, a second set of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, yeah, second set of years, and then Bobby Irving's another set of years. Yep, yep. And then he would bounce things off of us. But it was, he had the ultimate, you know, of course, sure. the, well, the final, final say. But that's nice to get that nod as well as a co-producer. Yeah, and you learned a lot, man. You learned, you know, I, you know, I, I, I learned with my band to, 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 to spark the creativity of the catch. You know, don't, don't beat it in the head. Don't, and let them be free. Let them breathe. And, and then you come up with some hip, hip things, you know. Keep it open. Exactly, man. So you toured, and, and you continue to tour now. So because this is music on the run, mm-hmm. and we like to talk about how you stay in shape and on the road and about your routines and passing down some information, mm-hmm. tell me a little about uh, like a day in the life for you on the road. Well, I try to, try to get a uh, workout in early in the morning. What's that consist of? Just anything, cardio or, or some light weights or, or okay. just... I love to go on the beach, you know, just trying to get some kind of get your heart pumping. And um, about three years ago, I stopped drinking, and that that was worked the world. Congratulations, like man, it was hey, like, yeah. all right. Because I was, you know, I wasn't an alcoholic, but you know, I like to get, I like nice wines, and all right, you know, you know, you know, nice nice wines, I nice wines, and, lots and, of and, nice and, wine. And so, I never I never drank on stage, and I never drank. I would wait till after we played, you know. And definitely never drank around Miles. Are you kidding? Is that right? Oh, heck. Why is that? No, no. Why is that? He didn't play that, you know. I, as a kid, I saw him do the, the uh, you know, battle, you know, battling drug abuse. But right. But when when I was in the band with him, all he drank was Perrier. Is that right? Oh yeah. Well, you came back into his. You were in his life during his comeback. Is that right. is that how that kind of yeah? Was? I was I was I, I would go visit him in summers. Okay. And and but he just said he didn't have anything to say. You know that's what he would always tell me. I don't have it. I said, come on, Chief, you got to play again. I call him. It was his nickname, Chief. And um, and um, sometimes I would cry because he would just not put pick the horn up and just go and disappear for three or four days, you know. I mean, mm. everybody knows, it's no secret. Right. And he'd come back and he wouldn't recognize me and that would crush me, you know. Oh. And, and, then, and then, you know, the things, that, when you're in the, in the, in the, in the curse of, a, of, of drug, drugs, um, people don't respect you, you know. Yeah. The dealers didn't respect them, people didn't respect them, the, uh, the label didn't respect them. So I, I, I think one day he said, he just looked in the mirror and said, enough. You know, wow. And he did it. And people say I was I was part of that, but no, he just stopped. You know, he mm. stopped cold turkey. And Cicely helped him too. Cicely Tyson, you know, she Is that went, right? she kicked all the drug dealers and all the, all that that whole party scene out. And they sold the brownstone, that famous brownstone, right? Of course, yeah. And she got him in in the, in, the, in the herbal herbs and you know, working out, swimming every day. You know what the they always say that that kind those kind of situations are are an occupational hazard for. Musicians, entertainers, actors, that kind of thing. Do you think that's true, man, or is that kind of an old, uh, an old saying? Well, you know, I, I know, I, I can't, it won't work for me. You know, right. I want to be clear, and I want to, I want to remember the, the gigs, and I want to remember those moments in the cities that we tour all over the world. You know, and I, and I want to know what I said to certain people, and what I said in an interview, or. You know, or or what I said in a morning interview, because that's the one. You know, when you try to pop Tylenols in and go and uh, fake your way yeah. through a morning interview. And just, I've been there. And just be cordial Once to people. Twice. And 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 you know, when you're meeting students and, and, and young musicians backstage, or 
at meet and greets, you want to be clear. Well, you know? and people are watching, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People yeah. are watching. Yeah. People are listening. And people are modeling themselves after you, whether you know it or like it or not. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you're setting an example for whomever. Yeah. Me, next yeah. generation yeah. below us. So that, that's cool that you have that on your mind. Let's, let's get back. Hey, everybody, let's take a quick break because I want to talk to you about a couple different things. First of all, go over to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. That again is www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And that is where you can partner with us and financially support all the good things we're doing here on music on the run. Of course, there's a lot of incentives for you as well. Number one, you get a lot of behind the scenes footage pictures, and maybe even some merch. I'm sure you can understand it takes a lot to put on these podcasts, and we love doing them, but it always costs money, and we would love to partner with you. So go over to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast, and we'd love to have you as our partner. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is the company Electro Voice. Electro Voice is a company based here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they specialize in PA speakers and, of course, microphones. They've uh, taken good care of us for many, many years. Uh, prior to me starting Music on the Run podcast, uh, I've endorsed them for a very long time. And I'm actually speaking into one of their mics right now that is a staple in the radio business called an RE320. You know, what's funny is that I actually use this mic a lot on hi-hats and bass cabinets. And it's so versatile. And it's just one of the many, many super high-quality professional microphones that Electro Voice has to offer. Go check them out. You can find them at your favorite music store or just go online at electrovoice.com. Hey, let's get back to that conversation on Music on the Run. Let's get back to the road thing. So you like to get a little workout in. Now, does that do something for you, man? Does that help you with the well, stress? Well, or what it does, it, 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 you breathe and it, and it helps you to, for the performance of the night. You know, you, know, you got to get some kind of cardio in. You, well, you got to eat right. You more than have, just playing drums. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you have your mind right, your body right, and and you, and um, it's the way you treat musicians and treat people, treat the promoters. Right. You know, just be clear. You know, have right. some clarity. Yeah, it's man. It's great to have clarity. Mm. You know, not be foggy all the damn time. <laughs> you know, drunk and hanging over and popping Tylenol, and it gets it gets old fast. Right. For me. So talk to me about your road family. And the Chicago connection. Uh, how important is that road family to you? Well, you, you know, it's like we, we used to sit in the car and talk about playing with Miles. You know, Daryl Jones, who now plays with the Rolling Stones and played with, I got him to gig with Miles. You know, um, Richard Patterson, who yeah. played with David Sam, played with your brother. You play, you know, you know Richard. I know Anderson. Richard because Richard was kind enough to me to let me sub for him in Boss band. Yeah, Bobby Irving. I mean, these, 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 you know, we would just sit and dream about playing and touring. And then we started, Miles just gave us that launch. You know, but yet we still, you know, play together. We still try to tour together. We still see you together all the time. We so definitely a, keep in touch. There's a yeah. brotherhood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like I mean, Minneapolis, man. Exactly what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. There's so many similarities. We've got Minneapolis in the house today. Yeah. Let me hear you, yeah. Minneapolis. Just like Minneapolis. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. You know? you know? All over the place. That's so cool. Um, I got a story. My cousin went to school. My cousin is Herb and Joey Wilburn, right? And one day, 
it was the Dirty Mind tour. I'll never forget this. And Prince was walking and getting in his limousine. And he didn't know I was related to him. You know, we didn't talk about the miles or anything. I said, hey, Prince, you know my cousin, Herb and Joey Wilburn. And Prince stops. <laughs> and he turns around. He said, yeah, man, tell him hello for me, you know. Because people thought that Prince was, you know, you can't talk to Prince and you can't, right. you know. But that was kind of cool because they all went to Central High School. So I used to go up to Minneapolis and I, I remember going to First Avenue. Is that right? Thinking how cool that was. Yeah, man. It's still yeah. cool, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, First it's Avenue. fun back up. Yeah. So uh, you can, are continuing the legacy through touring with the Miles Electric Bang. Are you still, is that something you're going to do going forward? Or Well, you know, what, we, what we're doing now, we, we recorded a new record with a drummer named Lenny White, uh, the, my, one of my idols. And what we're trying to do is call the Miles Electric Band, but we don't, we started to be categorized as a tribute band. So I'm trying to break away from that tribute uh -huh. band. So we're recording all new music with Ron Carter and right. John Schofield, Vernon Reed, and Paulino uh, 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 from, from Cuba, um, Martinez, Pedrito, okay. Pedrito yeah. Martinez. Um, and, and Herbie once told me, he said, hey man, I love what you guys are playing and the way you're playing our music, meaning when he was in the band. Sure. But you guys are putting a different spin on it. But I just thought it was time for us to just take it, you know, you know, like Miles, go another avenue. That's, you know? an, that's an interesting discussion because, once again, the Miles camp with you, and now that Prince is gone, there are many people who are carrying on the legacy of the music of Prince as well. Mm -hmm. and, many different facets and there's there's a lot of discussion and discrepancies about who should do what and why and how and when and who has the right to do whatever mm -hmm. um it's an interesting dichotomy i believe because i think that everybody uh, and, I'll, and i'm including myself in this as well because i was spent three or four years in the prince camp and it was a huge part of my life it was of my career it was a launch like just like Uncle Miles was for you. Mm -hmm. So to share this music with not only the fans that he was gave to us through the songs that he wrote for us, but also to pass that music that he created on and continue to do that in an in a, uh, uh, integral manner, I think is important oh, to his legacy. Yeah, definitely. So and, and, and you were doing that with the Miles Electric Band as well. Yeah, right? but we, you were done with that. You want, well, you want well, to take a different well, I don't want to say done, but we just want to we want to take another another turn another you know you know make another turn and, and do something different. I mean, because you can only play in a silent way so many times, so many variations. You know, right. Or, or Jean Pierre, or, or Jack Johnson, or you know. or Purple Rain. And we love the we love the music. You know, we'll, you right. know, yeah. I mean, you kind of want to. And then as an artist, you want to grow. You want to branch out. You want to play. You know. Plus, my agent was like, hey, man, I got to, you know, I can't, get, you, know, you guys got to switch up, play, yes. you know, record some new music. And, and Sony was happy to sign us and, 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 and be behind us, you know. Matter of fact, the single is out on the um, Birth of the Cool. I don't know if you, you if there's anybody seen it. It's Birth of the Cool. There's a new documentary on um, my yeah. Uh, yeah. Nominated now, for a Grammy for the documentary. And uh, an NAACP and NAACP Image Award. Image Award. Yeah, yeah, Congratulations, yeah, yeah, thanks, man. man. Tell me about your Stanley involvement Nelson. in that. What I want to hear a little bit about that, man, because that's for me, I think that's huge, and it's a part of who you are and what you're doing with Miles' uh, son and daughter, right? Yes. For part yeah, of the Aaron estate. Explain mm -hmm. that relationship. Well, it's called Miles Davis Properties LLC, and, and we control the likeness of, of Miles. Anything, anything you ever see... Is a, it okay a, that I'm wearing this coat? Yeah, but you got to send us a check. 
no. But you know, um, music and likeness, and um, we've done well. He's been gone since September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one, and we just try to keep. You know, we we get so many uh, uh, requests for licensing for for his, for his likeness, for merch. You know, and we did a movie called Miles Ahead with Don Cheadle. Right. In 2016, and we won a, a Grammy for, for the uh, soundtrack. Congratulations. But it was, some critics didn't dig it. And, but I, I love Don Cheadle. I, I kind of handpicked him to do the, to, to the uh, movie. Um, and, um, and so after, after Miles Ahead, Stanley Nelson came back to us. That's the director for, for Birth of the Cool. And said, hey, man, I, you know, I'd like to take a stab at this again. And we said, great. And it, was, it was the time. You know, you know when it's time to do something. And, right. and we signed off on it. But we, could, we, was, we weren't privy to see any of the, uh, of the making. You know, we weren't privy. Like, I couldn't, come to, I couldn't go to Aaron's um, interviews or, or, or Francis, oh. his, his wife. Or, you know, he didn't want it like that. You know, Quincy, mm. I couldn't go over to Quincy's house, Herbie's house, you know. And he didn't show us the, um, the actual link of the film until the day before we would go to Sundance. And? and I saw it, man. And? It came in late at night. He lives in New York. He lives in Harlem, and I cried because I, you right? know, yeah, it was it was so touching. You know, it's it's, it's you know, it, he does. We didn't sugarcoat anything. It's the good and the bad. You know, it's, we didn't condone the, the spousal abuse and the, and, the, and the drug abuse, but it's in there. You know, it's public record. It's part but, of his story. Yeah, but but what it did portray for me that Miles came out on top the way he wanted to do it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I applaud Stanley Nelson because he's. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster. Yeah. I hope he I hope he wins this Grammy next week. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and we'll know by the time this comes out. So I'm going to just say congratulations <laughs> yeah, in advance yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for winning for. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the estate. How do you keep the Miles Davis estate and likeness preserved and and, and future proof? How do we keep that incredible music and that incredible man to the forefront for generations to come what's the plan what, what you know what you do you just don't you don't we don't want to for lack of a better word pimp the audience or you know put them on lunch boxes and shit you know we, we, right, we, right. we try to we try to um you know tastefully keep him keep the brand you know uh, fresh and and either with thinking in the way miles would want to do it you know mm. You know, we we've had we've had requests to do licensing from hip hop groups, and I remember this. I won't name the name of this one group, and the first thing out of, they wanted to do sketches of Spain, and they sent us a demo, and and the first thing out of their mouth were beat bitches and hoes, and we were like, oh, no, boy. no, 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 and they yep. they wanted to offer us a lot of money, mm -hmm. you know, so we were like, no, no, it's not about the money, you know, it's, it's, it's never about the money, right, you know, it's it's about the integrity of of the of the brand. Absolutely, so, and and so it it comes at us licensing, and 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 merch and, and and things come at us, you know, three or four times a week. So tell me a little bit about the the. You said Miles Davis changed clothes six times a day. <laughs> now he's got enough. He's got to have enough uh, stuff in 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 the in the warehouse for a museum of his own. Is there anything like that in the works? Yeah, we have a museum called We Want Miles, and it was it travels the world. It was in Montreal. It was in Paris. It was in Brazil, and the first week in Sao Paulo, six hundred thousand people saw it. Oh man! But it, it's 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 very um, um, expensive to 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 travel, you know. So we have to get underwriters. Got but it. Um, we just got a call to 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 try to bring it to Cuba, you know, 
you know, they're, they're interested in it. So I, th- I think it's incredibly yeah. important that, uh, for, for people to see that. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So this is a walk through his life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move into a, 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 something I, I want to talk about, which is the, the modern music business. How do you see where we're at? Where, what do you, advice do you have for somebody coming up, man? Because you and I, you know, we're, we're old dogs. We, we've got our, our, our paths paved at this point, which is a beautiful thing. But I've got a kid in the music business who came out and sang with me. She moved to L.A. She made the leap. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to death for her. But she's not scared because she's 24. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't scared when I was 24 either. But being the age that I am and I'm her dad, I'm going, ooh, this is a whole new ball game. Mm-hmm. How do you think kids make art and money at the same time in 2020? Just... You know, you have to be different, you know, and you have to be sure of whatever you're going to do. You know, I, I love to, 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 you know, check out new groups and, and new artists and, 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 and dig what they're doing. Because it, but have it to be, you got to be talented, of course. Mm. But, but just, just, you know, reach for the stars, you know, don't, don't, don't be afraid to reach and, and don't be complacent, you know. Because you, you, we need a, we need more Miles Davises and more Princes and, and those type of artists. So I, I always tell young artists that I meet is just go for the stars. You know, you know, know your craft. You know, and and study your instruments. Study your, you know if it's a voice. You know, listen and listen to older artists. You know, for the foundation. You know, absolutely. You got to. It's, 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 so it's, I don't think you're really to. seeing that the game as far as where you're coming from internally has changed from when we were kids. Yeah. It's that same passion. It's that same drive. My mom never said, oh, you really should think about this. This isn't a great career. You're not going to make a lot of money. It's like becoming a professional athlete. My mom was an incredible jazz pianist. Mm-hmm. And all mom did was feed me gigs. Mm-hmm. She always supported. And I yeah. think that support group around you, people that believe in you, it's worth more money than anything Definitely. as well. I mean, I had a lot of friends who didn't have supportive parents, and, man, I felt for them, you know? So Their Dads were just always down on them. Mom was, you know what I mean? Just uh, absolutely. talk down on them. You do a lot for education. Tell, explain to me uh, uh, your heart for education. What are you doing? I know you're at South by Southwest. What are you talking about at those places? Well, at South by Southwest, we have a, a what do you call it? We, we title it um, the Miles Davis House. And we break new groups and, and, and indie bands, you know, because everybody needs a shot, you know. And and um, and then we'll, we'll ha- have a headliner, you know, like, a, you know, a top name. Sure. But but uh, Karen Sundell and my cousin Aaron, our publicist Karen Sundell and, and my cousin Aaron, they pick the bands. And it's great to hear all these bands, man, because it's, you know, killer bands out here in the world, you know. And so I just sit and announce them and, and introduce them and, and sit back and check them out. You know, I, I never want to. I never want to be close-minded to anybody out here trying to trying to make it in the game. You know, you know, because somebody gave me a break. My uncle. You know, right. You know, and 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 look how many people Miles gave a break to. You know, and he, and, and and how your mom was supportive, and, and Prince, and, and you know what I mean. So we have to keep that that flow, that lineage. That reach is so far. I mean, not only my musical family, the Peterson family. I'm the youngest. Mm-hmm. The, the, the lives that they have touched and supported artists coming up in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and then growing into the Prince camp. I've got some brothers and sisters from the Prince camp in the audience here today. Let me hear you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there's, there's a few of them anyway. But there is a, 
there is, we are bond, uh, bonded by that, that guy uh, and we'll always have that and we were supported. And he touched so many other people's lives and gave the opportunity, the nod, and, and notice something in each and every one of us and, and uh, really launched a lot of careers out of that. And, that's, and I look at that uh, as a 50-plus-year-old man, and, and, I, I, and that's what I think my legacy should be. What is Vince Wilburn's legacy? Well, I, I would just like to keep the, keep, the, um, keep the music flowing, you know, and, and, and long after I'm gone, just to say, hey, he cared about the music, you know, because, you know, I grew up in Chicago, and, and Earl's from Chicago, and some people here from Chicago, and, and you know, it's so, it's so violent now, and so kids killing each other. And, and back when I was coming up, you know, you had a fist fight, and that was it. And then the next day, y'all were buddies again. Right. You know, but how can you take somebody else's life? Mm. You know, I think that, and I'm not here to preach, but if you had after-school programs, right. music programs, um, um, social studies where you get together after school, you know, right. you wouldn't have that. If, if we had instruments, you know, we have a Miles Davis Academy, and, and they had padlocks on the library at the Miles Davis Academy, and no music in the, in the, in the school, you know. Because anytime they have cutbacks, music and phys ed is the first thing to go. That's correct. You know? That has got to change. Man. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? and, 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 that's, and that's my fight. You know? All over the world, I try to go and, and, and I visit the kids. You know? So when you're on tour, do you go out to different places? Man, I was ahead? in Soweto, and I went to Mandela's uh, school oh. and just sat and, and talked to the kids. And, you know, of course, we had translators and just hung. You know? Anywhere I go in the world, I try to do that. And I cry and I, you know, get soft. Well, I'm a soft, big, big kid, but man, that's you know, all it's about important, it. man. It sure it's is. Important. You remember when the firemen came to your, your school or yes. the policemen came here? Now, I got a police officer friend in Chicago. He said, man, even though we wear body cameras, man, the cats, you know, these kids talk about our mothers, talk about our wives, you know, call our mothers hoes. Now, how are you going to tell a police officer, call a police officer's mother a hoe? You know, but that's the sign of the times, you know, and sad. Doesn't have you know? to be, man. You know, it's sad, but we can it, change it. And, and, and you, you and I, I hope, are changing. I'm telling you, and, and Victor was in here, Victor Wooten was here mm -hmm. yesterday, and he, he feels the exact same way. He said to me yesterday, the world already has a bunch of great musicians. What the world needs more of is great people. Mm. Yeah. And that's how we change this, I think. That's how we make a difference yeah. in this world. Yeah. I, I noticed another thing when, 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 when a kid would come backstage to see Uncle Miles, he, how he would you know, tell him to keep playing or he would have a, a, a cool word for him. You know, I, I, I checked that out too. Hmm. You know, and that, that, you know, that's important for a kid to hear that from Miles Davis or from anybody. You know, and keep at it. You know? Right. Encourage Tony Williams asked him, could he sit in when Tony was little? Tony was like 15 or 14. He said, no, just go listen. Sit down and listen. You know? Then Tony came back at 16, 17. And turn that quintet Ooh. around. You know, he was fiery. One of my favorites you know? of all time. And yeah. you got to sit by the side of the stage and watch yeah, was, all yeah. your heroes. Yeah, Tony, Al Foster, Jack DeJanet. What was know? it like to to hang with Al Foster? Was, he, he he used to tell me. He said, "Move to New York." This is what he would always say. Move to yeah. New York. You got to move to New York. You know, he was very supportive. Wow. You know, all all every all the musicians that ever. Play with Uncle Miles that were supportive of my career, you know, and I still keep in touch with him. The know? biggest, what's the biggest thing that uh, impact that Miles made on you? What, 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 
if you could take a, take it away one thing, what's the biggest impact to, that to, Miles to had be on? true to the music? Okay. Yeah. Don't don't you know don't you don't don't cheat the music. Hmm. You know, I mean, this man had Ferraris and houses in Malibu, a penthouse in New York, but he was always about the music. You know, he was the first one to get up in the morning, the last to go to sleep at night. And I would see how the love and the passion of music was in him, you know. Mm. And I was like, damn, this is wow, you know. You know, just if he didn't have, if he wasn't playing the trumpet, he, the, 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 the board tape, the concert tapes would be on, playing in the background. Or new music, would, you know, the new, new, new records he was working on was on. Or MTV or something was on on the TV with the sound down. But it's always music. It's always music. Always music. You know, that's, that's something I'll never forget. Mm. I'm sure Prince was that way. I'm sure your family too, you know? I always say I had no choice. <laughs> really, really, I mean, it was weird. I always thought uh, I was the youngest of five kids, and I am the youngest of five kids, and I always thought, you know, since my brothers and sisters play, I'd be down, going down to a friend's house, and I'm like, what does your mom and dad play? Mm, yeah, yeah. Because I was surrounded by music all yeah, the time. Yeah. I mean, bop to hip hop. Well, not hip hop. When, when you could play music or sports, you could walk, you know, the gangsters wouldn't mess with you when you, you were here. <laughs> you could wow. walk down the street, you, you know, and, and they would say, hey, man, you can't mess with Vince, man. You got a badass little band, you know, so that you got the, you, you know, you got the pass. Right. You know? Well, it's it, important it, for me to have you on this oh, show, man, because. On. What you bring and the light that you bring, man, whenever, I mean, you and I are fairly new friends, but I can tell you the instant that we became friends, we were family because anything I've ever asked you, questions, you're always there for people, and that's what everybody says about you too, man, and you just keep even being that, that light. Man, if we don't do it, who's going to do it, you know? I'm telling you. Know, you. Our, our friend, uh, Ndugu Chancellor, he passed away a couple of years ago. His house caught on fire at four in the morning this Today. morning. So I, I, I woke up, took a shower, and I was with his son until about 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock. Then I came, came here to, to Nam, but I, I, something told me that I had to be there for his son, you know, and that's what we do, you know. He lost, uh, his name is Rashawn. Rashawn lost his dad's drum sets, all the records, all the plaques, all those things in Dugu Chancellor worked for are gone, you know, just like that, you know. But so you were we, there for him. Yeah, I had to. You know? That's what you do, man. And I was thinking about canceling. I was like, well, let me call Paul. I'm like, no, I can't cancel on you either. So, <laughs> Thank you. you know? But I mean, you know, that's what we do. We're, we're there for each other, and we have to continue to be there for each other. And I just want to say, don't stop that, 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 that hunger and thirst for, for music, that passion for music. Because you know, I watch Miles, I'm like, shh. If he can do it, yeah. I know, you know. You know. What's, real quick, because we've got to wrap it up here. And by the way, Thank you for taking the time out. I know how busy you are. Tell me about your radio show. It's called uh, Evolution of the Groove on KPFK, 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. It's just another, another you know, medium to, to, yeah, man, just to play some music. Play, and talk to some people about music. That's what I like to do. Who have you, you, know? uh, who have you had on your show? Verdine White. I had the Ohio players, Jim Diamond, you know, James, uh, Diamond Williams. I've had uh, Clayton Cameron. I've had... Uh, um, Manyungo Jackson, I've had um, Phil Lovechurch, I've had um, man, everybody. Anybody I call is always, yeah, yeah, when you want me to do it, you know. That reminds so, me of this, man. I mean, the worst they can say is no. No, man, let's, you know, <laughs> nobody we, we, does. We, it's we, like, yeah, I want to do it. It's, we have to, be, we're the messengers. 
We have to continue to be the messengers and spread the love and, you know, spread this music, man. Because if we don't, and if it stops or if it, if it starts to taper off, then who's going to do it? You know, it's going to, it's going to, you know, we don't want to do that. How do we I don't want to do that. How do we find out uh, all the different things that you're doing? Can you give us some, uh, uh, a Miles website? MilesDavis.com is, okay. is this website, and my personal website is neftrum.com uh, or MilesElectricBand.com, and then my Instagram is nef, N-E-F, O-F-M-I-L-E-S of Miles. Beautiful. Just to remind folks, if uh, it's an audio podcast, but we also actually have a video podcast podcast as well. If you want to see what we're doing here at the NAMM show, go to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And then you can partner up with us and see all the good things that we're doing here as well for our video podcast. Thank you so much. And by the way, before I forget, the jacket, we're, we're sitting, we're sitting, <laughs> you can't have the jacket. We're sitting here at Electro Voice here at the NAMM show, the National Association of Music Merchants, and we have a gift for you. It's the mic that we've been using for every single podcast that we've been doing. It's an RE320 as our way of saying thank you to you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, man. Give it up for Vince Wilburn. Thank you. Thanks for coming. That's all we got for you today. We'll see you the next time. This is Music on the Run podcast. My name is St. Paul. We're out. Thank you so much. Vince, thank you, bro. Thanks, man. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson, recorded and produced by Davide Razo, video editing by Ivan Sebastianov. A very special thanks to the patrons who financially support this podcast. And remember, we'll never be as cool as Uncle Miles. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Vince Wilburn Jr. here on Music on the Run. In a couple of weeks, we welcome percussionist extraordinaire Lenny Castro. Remember, with all that's going on in the world today, to be good to each other, be safe, be healthy. And we look forward to having you back for the next episode of Music on the Run.